Hi everyone, welcome back to Radical Radio. I'm Lucy, the host of Radical Radio, and um, welcome back to another show. So, as you all know, Radical Hope was founded in 2018 by Pam and Phil Martin after they tragically lost their son Chris to suicide. Radical Hope is committed to improving the lives and futures of young adults by strengthening connections and building resilience. Radical Hope Radio was created with a mission to generate conversation that will help people feel more connected by exchanging stories, ideas, and advice. Today, we are talking to a very special guest. Um, We are talking to Jerry McKinstry. Jerry is the Director of Public Affairs for Pace University in Westchester County and has been one of Radical Hope's key partners for bringing our college program, Radical Health, um, to all the students at Pace. So, Jerry, welcome to the show. Lucy, thank you so much. It's great to be here and and talk about such an important issue. We're so happy to have you on and um, so excited to get the conversation going. So, to start, um, if you want to just give everyone a little bit of background information, um, you know, career and things like that. Sure thing. Thank, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a senior director of public affairs uh, for Pace University in our uh, Westchester campuses, um, which is just north of New York City, for those of you who are not from the New York City area. Um, and Pace University has, um, we have three campuses. We have a uh, campus in Lower Manhattan. We have a campus in Pleasantville in Westchester County. And we have a campus, a law school, um, the Elizabeth Halb uh, School of Law in White Plains. So we have a large um, um, sort of coverage area, if you will, uh, in the New York area. And in my role, um, I work on media relations and partnerships. And that's where kind of radical hope comes in. Um, you know. I guess uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, I spent the the bulk of my career as a journalist. Um, I, I was a uh, you know a writer, reporter. Um, worked at some of the regional newspapers here in New York and did some uh, television. And that's kind of what connected me with um, Radical Hope was that um, my background in media. I had met uh, the CEO Liz Feld and some other folks involved, like uh, William O'Reilly. And that's kind of how Radical Hope got connected with Pace University. Um, they had read, as, as Radical Hope was kicking off, they had read a column that was written by um, President Marvin Krizlov, the Pace University's president, on the importance of mental health on campuses. And that, I remember getting the phone calls about a year ago. Um, uh, Bill called me up and he says, hey, we're launching this program, um, you know, and starting out at NYU. And we want to grow it to other campuses is this something that Pace University would be interested in? And I just remember being so excited and I said, yeah, I, I can I can pretty much guarantee we'll be interested. Let me run it by the president, the provost and some others. And they enthusiastically embraced Radical Hope. And that was about a year ago. So we have, uh, you know, been all in with Radical Hope right now. That's great. Um, couldn't be more excited that the programs at Pace and at the Pace with the Pace students and everything like that's been great. So. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about maybe, um, you know, things that you were seeing at Pace and sort of how the program is addressing those things or, you know, how the, you know, students have been reacting or, you know, sort of the general need for a program like Radical Health on college campuses. Sure thing. You know, um, Pace University, like many other universities and colleges, um, has been hyper-focused on mental health. I think it is something, um, you know, it's always been an issue, but I think in the era of COVID, it's been sort of exasperated. So I know, you know, Pace as an example, 
had brought together its um, professionals, its academic, its counselors to talk about what it was doing for students because they were starting to notice that, uh, you know, mental health is a serious issue um, and that really they really needed a comprehensive plan to help students. And so that was happening before um, Radical Hope came to campus um, and they had convened a task force and, and really kind of the numbers were, were startling, not only at Pace, but I think across the country, um, you know, uh, pro- professional educators are realizing that, um, you know, something needed to be done um, to help students. Um, so that said, that's a little bit of the backstory, but, you know, these all, the, all of this is happening, I think, in parallel where Radical Hope had launched Pace University was putting together its task force, its findings, and 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 then Radical um, Hope came along. And the beauty of the program was that, um, as you know, is that Radical Hope is not a replacement for anything. It's it's a complement to what universities are already doing, and it, it effectively tries to um, uh, connect what institutions are doing with you know, your program, the Radical Hope program, and it was a real compliment. And I think it was very easy to embrace. We formed a group that met for months before we ever met with students to find the right guides, to figure out where we could launch it. You know, in in our first semester, um, you know, what we were pleased about is um, how open and welcoming people were or willing they were to kind of sign on and, and, um, you know, do the work. So in one semester, our first semester in piloting it, we had over 150 students across three campuses um, in a variety of different backgrounds. So we focused on our first generation students, those who were the first in their family to go to college, um, our honor students, our law school, um, our nursing program, which is really doing a unique, um, you know, uh, doing the program in a unique way, um, our international students. So we were piloting across different um, sort of um, uh, groups of students and were really um, universally it was embraced. I mean, no matter if they were a first year student, a senior nurse, a law student, um, it was very welcome. And and I think the reason for that is it's such a great program and there's such a great need. So, you know, that was our first semester. Um, we're going into our second semester with uh, Radical Hope right now, and it's still we're, we're um, broadening it to other groups as well. So it's it's one of these things that it's growing. We uh, expect it to continue to grow. And again, because it's a great program and there's a great need. And do you find that it's been really informative or important to have sort of all of these different cohorts as you're piloting just to get that sort of um, variety and sort of responses and feedback for the program? Or do you think like, you know, schools should just jump in and do a huge group or kind of like what are the benefits of doing yeah, the smaller cohorts? It, it, it's, it's a good question. And I think it really depends on um, the college or university and what they have available, because I think it's really important that you pick the right guides and you have buy-in and you have buy-in from the students. And, you know, on the one hand, it would be great if you had, you know, a university have everybody sign on, um, but there has to be a natural sort of capacity to be able to deliver it effectively. Um, you know, I, I was pleased, many of us were pleased at Pace about, you know, having the different cohorts because, you know, a first generation student, a freshman or a first year student may have different issues than a law student or a nursing student. They have different pressures. Um, and at Pace University, well, I'll take the nursing program as an example. Um, you know, one of the things we did that was somewhat unique is we had senior nursing students 
mentor sophomore nursing students, and they were supervised by a nursing dean. And and the reason that was unique and important, I think, was because nursing, as you know, um, there's great demands. It's a very stressful major. And um, as, as we can all see, there's a great need. You know, there's a great need for um, nurses to be, you know, well-trained and ready for the workforce. So sophomore year, we identified as opposed to freshman year, uh, because sophomore year tends to be one of the more stressful periods or the beginning of the stressful period for some nursing students. So that was a unique cohort in itself. And we're really excited that um, we're happy that it's been successful. We're excited that they are continuing. And we think some great that we'll learn great things from them. Um, you know, I um, volunteered to be a guide as well. And I took on uh, the first first generation students. And it was a wonderful experience. These were students who were there just a few weeks you know, um, on a college campus, there's a lot of, you know, um, fears, anxieties. Um, sometimes they're away from home for the first time. Sometimes they have independence for the first time. So there was some really interesting conversations, um, and stresses and anxieties, um, that you heard from first year students as well. Um, so I think, you know, and, and, and credit to Radical Hope, We've given them a lot of positive feedback and a lot of areas to potentially tweak the program and and they've listened. And this is something whenever you're piloting a program, um, you may not it may not be a perfect launch or you learn as you go of ways to tweak it. And I think, you know, this has been the wonderful part about the partnership is that we are really working together. You have developed a program and we are kind of executing it on campus and seeing what works. And, you know, some of the challenges during an era of COVID is, you know, you might not be in person as often, or you, you know, you might be over Zoom, um, but there, there were classes, many of them, or, you know, the discussions that were in person, and you got to see it. I mean, I personally saw how the program was affecting and helping students. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one student, um, first year student, wasn't, you know, having, he was having issues with sleep. And as you know, sleep is the importance of sleep and, and rest and recovery and exercise and dieting. They're all part of the program. And, you know, he'd talk with us. He'd talk with, and it wasn't a student talking to a guide. It was a student talking to peers and a guide. So we had this, you know, sort of discussion in the circle. And I felt over the course of four weeks, he really made a lot of progress. And as opposed to, let's say, going to bed at two in the morning and waking up at 8 a.m., well, we got him, you know, to get to midnight and then 11 p.m. And and those are the types of tweaks that can really approve, improve a student's, um, you know, improve, you know, what they're working on or what they're working at. You touched on a really important note there that this being sort of, you know, a collaboration with these schools and really wanting to listen to the feedback from guides and from students and having the program really be inspired by what these students really need and what they want out of a program like this and, you know, what they need for their mental health. And especially, you know, on a college campus where it's a very different world than, you know, being in high school or being out of college. Um, So I think that's a really important note and something that is super important at Radical Hope is really listening to those students and making sure, you know, they're getting exactly what they need or what they would want. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the beauties of Radical Hope as well, it's, it's about um, early introduction or, you know, you, you've probably heard the term early intervention, but th- I, I call it kind of early introduction is that, you know, if you, if you, a lot of us 
mental health was not something that was discussed high school, college, or, you know, even beyond. It, it, it's, it's, I think it's wonderful now that mental health is, is kind of out in the open. And it's something that I think college students in particular are, um, they're open to hearing, they're open to acknowledging that they may need help in certain areas. And I think it's something for all of us. I mean, I, I, one of the reasons why I volunteered or, or, you know, signed on to be a guide was because I said, like, this curriculum that you have is great for anybody. It's great for a 15-year-old. It's great for a 25-year-old. It's great for a 35, 45, 55-year-old and on. These are, these are lessons. These are experiences that will serve people for a lifetime, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I was, you know, going to ask you sort of the difference, you know, that we've seen in the last just sort of two years in the space of mental health and sort of how the last two years have really launched this bigger conversation around mental health and that, you know, kids younger and younger are needing these tools um, and sort of like, you know, how that's all happened and if you, you know, have any insight on, you know, college campuses and that shift that you saw um, and how it's really coming from the kids. I think that's, you know, it's really important and it's really awesome to yeah, see. One, you know, um, I think about, I, I've, I've heard this said about a third of college students report having mental health issues, you know, so one out of three. And I've heard another, there's, there's lots of statistics around. Um, and I've, I've also heard, you know, 64% of students who, who drop out, drop out because of mental health issues. So these are, these are serious numbers, statistics, when you think about the individual student. Um, and, you know, if you think about a university, we very often are educating them in, you know, let's say the liberal arts or, um, you know, engineering or science, you know, and I think it's important or it's imperative that we take a, a holistic view that we are not only teaching them subjects, but we are teaching them about life and we are trying to prepare them to enter the workforce and to be a productive citizen. So in order to do that effectively, you know, we really do need to address you know, mental health issues, connectivity issues, social issues, and, and then habits. You know, habits are things that I think we all can agree that uh, we, we will always be working on them. So I think, again, you take a more holistic view, and I think you're going to actually be educating a student for life so that they can be a productive member of, you know, the workforce and society. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I always think about it. Students in high school and college right now, they're you know, our future leaders are, you know, in politics and business, everything like that. So, you know, giving them these mental health tools is the same as, you know, telling them to eat vegetables and make sure that they, you know, work out a certain number of hours or whatever it is, make sure that, you know, these are future, the future is basically set up for success rather than, you know, sort of having to fend for themselves when, the world is kind of shifting in this crazy way that we've seen with COVID and all that, all these new problems. It's true. And, you know, um, it's important to note that, you know, these problems probably have already existed and they've existed for generations. Um, and, but there were also issues that were growing and mounting. And I think COVID really sort of uh, um, shined a light on it. And it became clearly obvious that, um, you know, this, this is not just something, you know, 
hidden behind in, in a residence hall. This is very serious and it's something that, you know, uh, institutions really need to focus on and address. That's so true. And like you said, the issues have always been there. We just haven't ever really been in a place where we are right now where, you know, the work has been done to sort of combat this stigma around mental health. And, you know, there's always work to be done there. But I think for the most part, you know, we're at a place where now it's more okay and more acceptable to be really open about mental health. And now people are always saying, well, you know, where did these issues all of a sudden come from? Where it's not really about all these issues all of a sudden affecting youth. It's always been affecting youth. But it's just about the fact that now we're much more open to discussing it with them and being open with our friends and our peers and our parents and teachers, whoever it is. So now, you know, that's why we're seeing the rise of, you know, this conversation around mental health and what needs to be done to help all of, you know, these students. Yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, to some extent, you know, while some students may need help from a, a professional counselor or doctor, you know, there's others who just need help with connectivity and habits and exercise. And I'll tell you this from my own experience. Um, you know, the, one of the, the kind of quirky things in my own life is um, a lot of people who work with me or my family, they know what habits I need to do in order to be sort of mentally healthy and strong and to be, you know, give it my best every day. And, you know, like I, I have, um, you know, my, my coworkers, they, they'll know if I've worked out in the morning or not based on my mood. They will know. Um, you know, my wife will often say if I'm having a tough day, have you meditated today? Because she knows that's a tool that I use. That's a tool that I do every day. Um, and that if I haven't done it, it probably it may perfect or it may affect my performance. Um, and if I, you know, if we go back, I, I'll tell you a little bit about my introduction to um, a tool like this, like meditation. Um, you know, clearly this wasn't something that was taught in my, in, in my schools. Um, you know, I learned professionally. Like one day I was in the workforce, as I mentioned before, I was a, a journalist and it was a very stressful job at times. And I remember, you know, um, having chest pains and I couldn't breathe and I thought I was having a heart attack. And what it turned out, I was having either an anxiety or panic attack. It was, it was, you know, painful, stressful. I didn't know what was going on. Then I saw a doctor and he talked about the stress and he's like, you got to find ways to, to manage it. And that's when I was introduced to meditation. And that's a tool that, um, you know, and it's addressed also in the Radical Hope program, but that's one tool of dealing with stress or, you know, sort of kind of managing your day a little better. And the I think if we can introduce tools like that, whether it be a proper diet, meditation, exercise, maybe it's reading at night, maybe it's putting the phone away for a while and then putting off the, the devices. Like there's a lot of tools that we can teach younger people um, to use that will actually improve their day, it will uh, improve their performance, it'll improve their grades, it'll just generally improve their life. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, tools is, you know, one of the, the biggest things that, you know, we'd like these students to take with them after they go through the program and having tools that are actually, um, you know, really tangible for them and that they can take with them throughout the rest of their life. And I think, like you said, meditation is a great one or something as basic as, you know, we don't think of diet, you know, affecting mental health as directly as, you know, we would meditation. But 
it's, you know, they're all tools in the same bucket. True. And, you know, I, I would say this, and I'd say this, I, I said it to the students that were in my cohort, you know, these are all lifelong practices. It's not like you're going to take um, a pill or a medicine and, and everything's going to be solved. What you have to do is build the habit and know that you have this toolbox to go to. In fact, you probably should go to that before a problem arises, you know, so that you can maybe manage it better or prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, I think, the most effective way for us to help a lot of young people with some of the stresses and anxieties they're having. Yeah, exactly. The tools before you reach, you know, that point of crisis or, you know, that point of sort of like you are starting to panic and don't know where to turn, like those tools that are going to help you before you reach that point. I think those are really important. Was there anything like, you know, your experience as a guide, do you think there were any lessons or tools that really stuck out in your mind that the students really gravitated towards or anything like that? Oh, I think they, they really got a lot out of almost every video and every discussion, but, um, you know, a a few that, um, um, stood out. I remember the moment when the Olympic fencer, um, Ibtahaj Muhammad was on video and I just saw a bunch of students light up and I think they saw somebody like themselves on, on screen talking about their insecurities. Um, and that I remember that video um, and just the response was so positive. Um, when there was Matt Higgins talked about his, you know, growing up, I think in Queens and New York City and the challenges he faced and, and you know, the struggles and how he overcame them. And I think uh, certainly uh, students um, in, in my group identified with that. You know, one of the things that he said in particular that, that I remember is he, He's like, you know, life uh, isn't about what happens to us. It's about what happens next. And that quote really resonated with me. And, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's about what we do about what happens to us. And, um, you know, I think all of those videos were really, really helpful. They were inspiring. You know, one of the challenges we had is that, you know, we had an hour discussion, you know, every week. We could have talked for two hours, we could have probably taken the program and extended it over a semester. There was so much there. And you could probably retake this, you know, the four week course over and over and over again, you know, throughout your life and get something unique out of it each time. The You brought up the Matt Higgins video. The Matt Higgins video is one of my favorites. And I think like one of his lessons is one of my favorite pieces of advice that life isn't happening to you. It happens sort of like from you. Um, And that's, you know, one of the lessons that I think he sort of gets at in his video, which I really like. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, you're so right though. You could talk for hours about some of these things because, you know, we, as humans, I think we want to have these conversations. Like once you sort of like open that door a little bit, it will start like flowing out of you because you want to connect with people that way. And you want to know that other people experience the same things in life that you do. And we sort of all have very similar feelings and experiences and that makes us feel really good. Um, So I think you're right. You could talk about it, you know, for hours on end if you had the time, but I think that's great. 
One of the things, the other sort of intangible benefits of all this is um, showing that it's okay to talk. You know, that, that's it's okay to talk about your emotions. It's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to be vulnerable. And and in all of these groups, you know, a, a safe space was established, a safe environment to talk. Um, and and those rules and those parameters are set up in the beginning. Um, and with the help of Radical Hope and, and the training and the, and the guides that you provided, um, which really created a, a wonderful, deep, dynamic discussion each week. One last question that I'll ask you, and I ask everyone who comes on Radical Hope Radio, um, your favorite piece of advice, um, either advice that you have come up with and you'd like to share with everyone, or your favorite piece of advice that you've been told that really resonates with you, um, just anything that you'd want to share with the listeners um, well, today. Well, I, I will go to, we had one session and um, we were talking about the importance of connections and effectively it turned into a discussion called what I would call the power of hello. And one of the assignments that I gave the group was to, when we leave this room, I want you to say hello to everybody you know, in this group, when you see them on campus, if you see them across campus, if you see them across the street, go up and say hello. And does you don't have to talk to them forever? You just say hello, smile. And I was really struck by the joy that that exercise brought people, because in the world we're living in, with you know um, devices and phones and masks and walking around and racing around, we sometimes forget of the importance of a smile a hello, and a compliment. And if we can do those three things, we can actually change a person's moment. We can change their day. And if we all do it, it will happen kind of exponentially. We will exponentially change the world around us. So I would say um, a wonderful kind of lesson that that I um, really enjoyed was the power of hello Say hello, smile, and pay a compliment, and we can really make a difference here. I love that. That's a great one, and I hope you know everyone listening takes that to heart and you know maybe implements that into their daily lives. I will definitely try. It's a little harder to run into people you know in New York City, but if you know I ever do, I will definitely keep that in mind and you know make sure to give that smile or wave or whatever it is. Um, I think that's really important. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Radical Hope Radio podcasts are available anytime on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, anywhere that you would normally listen to your podcasts. And for more information about Radical Hope, visit RadicalHopeFoundation.org. Follow us on social media at RadicalHope underscore FDN. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I think this was a really important conversation um, and it was super insightful, you know, just talking to you about the program and, you know, mental health in general. Um, it was so awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I, I'll come back anytime and talk about Radical Hope, uh, just a great foundation and a, a great program that you're doing. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And remember everyone listening. Um, Stay hopeful, stay safe, stay connected, and remember that you are not alone.